What's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of Random Musings with Niladri. Thanks a lot for your continued support and feedback throughout the last 3 episodes. Well, today is a very historic day in the 4 episode old history of this podcast. Since everyone was so much in love with hearing my voice, I was unable to handle the immense love and affection from every corner of the globe. And hence, I had to include someone else to counterbalance. So, for the first time, I have a guest on this show. After having 3 monologue episodes on fake news, I have my first guest, Saurav Jha, who will share some really interesting aspects on fake news. Saurav is my batchmate from my B school, Indian Institute of Management, Calcutta. Two things that I remember about Saurav and that are vividly stuck in my mind are 1. His undying love for Apple products and 2. His ability to think laterally and have a unique perspective on most things, something that is quite out of the ordinary. Professionally, he is a fintech digital transformation leader based out of Kenya. Above all this and more importantly, quite recently he became a father to a wonderful baby boy. So, without further ado, let's get started with this episode. Hi Saurav, welcome to Random Musings with Niladri. Glad to have you here. Hi Niladri, <laughs> thanks for welcoming me to the Random Musings and thanks for giving me the opportunity to share this podcast with you for an episode. I hope more and I hope to get invited more often. I can see many girls have lined up outside your house. I didn't know your show is so popular among the ladies. Well, Saurav, uh, since what you just said is fake news in the purest type, uh, this gives me a natural segue to discuss our topic for today. Uh, as you can see, in the last three episodes, we saw how fake news uh, is quite an old phenomenon, actually. We discussed the relation between lies, deception and fake news. We saw how democracy and social diversity comes at the cost of maintaining information veracity and how this makes fake news uh, quite critical today. Uh, and also especially considering that uh, the commoditization of fake news in this century has become a big, big problem. So uh, what is your take on fake news? Uh, do you believe that we are indeed standing at a very critical point in our history with respect to fake news? Yeah, if you look at it, uh, every human that has uh, ever existed thought that uh, his problems and issues are the greatest and uh, that he is living at a critical time. The early humans who painted their hands on the caves and images of their hunt must have felt the same. And uh, they are living at the cusp of change and they are leaving behind something for the other generations. So we could have, uh, so could we, you know, we would have the pyramid makers and now we thinking the same. So the term standing at a critical point, uh, you know, I would say is like an infinity paradox. If you draw a chronological timeline, every point on it will have some or the other critical point. And people of that era will feel the same. I would say that this term, you know, is the most rudimentary form of uh, availability heuristic cognitive bias and depicts a certain hubris of us uh, humans, you know, being the most important always. Anyway, uh, coming to fake news. Yes, it has always existed, like you said. And, uh, you know, we've been discussing this uh, a lot. During the era of kings, fake news was used to control people. And this may be an unpopular opinion, but I believe religion is the best and the purest form of fake news used to control masses. 
uh, Christianity helped control the Roman Empire. Uh, the best example would be so much so that when the mighty Western Roman Empire crumbled, the Eastern Roman Empire flourished for another thousand years just because a single united factor of uh, religion, you know, the Orthodox Christianity, thanks to Constantine. The meteoric rise of the Bedouin tribes of Arabia was caused because of a single uniting factor of uh, Islam. Brahmins controlled power, cash, knowledge, you know, everything in flow using religion. So. Most recently, what China did with coronavirus numbers, research around it, etc., was fake news. So, yeah, therefore, fake news has been across history to control masses and to you know, maintain the realms. However, I believe it has become so evident now due to the democratization of knowledge brought about by, you know, free 4G internet. So now even a cobbler sitting under a foot over vision, see Alder. While you can make TikToks of you know Bollywood dance numbers and everything, can also tell you the flaws of the Susan, flaws of uh, Shushan Singh uh, Rajput's uh, autopsy report. And just yeah, you know, just a while before, I got this uh, you know some uh, video that was shared by uh, from the Uyghur uh, concentration camp. So yeah, having said that, uh, I have a belief that it has drastically different effects on people. So fake news has drastically different effects on people. Uh, you know, in the intelligence spectrum. So what I mean by intelligence spectrum is that if you plot uh, the IQ of the population on the x-axis and the population on the y-axis, it will form a normal distribution curve, normal distribution bell curve like normal. And uh, we call this intelligence curve. So genius, you know, will score above uh, 130 points and the communists will uh, score below 70. On the sidelines, you know, uh, now just I, you know, because we started talking about communists, that came to my mind. I read a very interesting quote the other day that uh, if you're not a communist at the age of 20, you don't have a heart. If you are still a communist at the age of 30, you haven't got a brain. However, um, anyway, uh, while the sigma, okay, so coming back to the bell curve, uh, while the plus sigma of the bell curve would try to find the alternate versions of the same story, get to know both sides of the story, you know, like you and I hope uh, you and I, of course, do. Uh, the minus sigma, you know, the will become more opinionated. It will, uh, you know, keep on reverberating in their own echo chamber of this fake news, and uh, this conformity bias, and at these extremities, will become radicalized. So, example, I can give you this. I read Dawn, you know, the Pakistani daily. Uh, if I need to get uh, news on Kashmir or the China standoff. I was an avid reader of, of Frontline as well as India Today to get you know, both sides of the story. So I try to read both sides so that I know the intersection of both is where the truth probably would be. While you, I remember, fear dying once because you had not forwarded a message to 10 people. Yeah, I, I would not say that like I feared dying. But yeah, I mean, I did really feel bad that I forgot to forward a message to 10 people. Yeah, so you're right on that. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, sort of uh, you make uh, like quite a lot of important points. Uh, and the last one that you uh, just just said about like you reading Dawn, uh, the Pakistani daily to get news on Kashmir and China standoff. Uh, interestingly, this also reminds me uh, of uh, while I was doing my research, uh, what I found is that while in America, people know about Vietnam War. But you go to Vietnam, they don't know what is Vietnam War. All they know about is the American War. So sometimes it all matters, like, which perspective of the story are you looking at? 
but I think one of the things that really perplexes me is defining fake news. Uh, like, how do we go about defining this beast? Uh, well, like there are so many terms which sound very, very familiar. So you have fake news, misinformation, disinformation, etc., etc. Uh, or sometimes it's also like if you suppress an information, is that also considered to be fake news? Uh, like just recently, I was uh, like looking through the tweets of Mr. Trump, and he occasionally refers to not showing some news as fake news. Like he lashes out at what he calls out as the fake news media, saying that they won't show good figures about something, let's say economy or the violent side of the recent protests and demonstrations in the US. Uh, now, we can say that like for, for, for us in Closer Home in India, we saw similar accusations uh, during the 2019 general elections, where both sides argued that certain media houses were either suppressing some facts or not talking about them at all. So according to you, is this fake news as well? Uh, like, I have really great difficulty in defining it. Like, it has become such a commonplace word these days and is used everywhere. Sometimes I feel that the word itself is getting way bigger compared to what it actually is. What are your thoughts on this with respect to defining fake news? Or should we really bother about defining this narrowly? Well, as far as, okay, as far as fake news is concerned, I would say let's, uh, you know, start by... Uh, Tackling this news organization per se, I mean, who the people who decimate the news. Uh, so let's put it, you know, uh, frankly, they are entertainment television, like a sports event, movie, soap opera. Now news also is completely commoditized. It is entertainment. They need TRP. They need eyeballs. So I would like to actually uh, classify this fake news in three parts, three different genres, I would say. One would be the sources that are biased. Example, Z News. I mean, using this example because it would be more relatable to your Indian audience or Fox News per se for your global audience. You know, whatever the story they will support would be right wing. I mean, and the exact opposite would be an NDTV or a New York Times. Then second would be uh, your sources that have a malified intent. So Facebook is filled with such pages, which I'm sure our dads follow. Or let's say, you know, a colloquial term would be the WhatsApp University. So the ones that said that the new 2000 rupee note in India has a chip or the 5G towers spread coronavirus. Stories about how invaders destroy temples in India or how Muslims are being lynched every day in every city in India. For the US, uh, there would be posts on how caravans are moving from Central America towards the US-Mexico border. Before Brexit, how the news was spread that millions of migrants are coming to the UK for uh, social benefit. The ones that uh, extrapolate and localize incidents to further uh, their agenda. So these are the WhatsApp forwards that have uh, a low quality image telling you some research done by Harvard or MIT says that eating ginger will cure coronavirus. So this is the second kind, I would say. The third kind, I would say, are the most dangerous kind. Because uh, we're you know, not sure exactly if the news is fake or not. Not sure the agenda of that particular news or the intent of the source. But the article would have a nudge, a cajola, a slight coax towards incepting an idea in your head. One and two, the, you know, the, the news source uh, that have a malified intent or the ones that you know are biased are less threatening. Uh, and they are because easily identifiable. Therefore, uh, you know, if you are in the far left in the intelligence spectrum, you won't be able to identify it. But uh, yes, if you are in the uh, 
you know, in the middle or the right of the intelligence spectrum, you will be able to easily identify it. While uh, three is not that easy. You know, uh, like this sentence, when I subtly put a thought in your head that the far left is not that intelligent. Yeah, I think uh, in a way, I, I kind of agree with this uh, kind of a breakup uh, that you gave uh, about like categorizing fake news. Uh, well, obviously, I think uh, like point number three, as you as you just mentioned, is the most dangerous kind because uh, they subtly kind of nudge you to thinking and believing on uh, like about something which which you would not uh, rather do. But let's spend some time on like one and two. Like what do you make of this media bias? Like uh, I am seeing like unprecedented levels of, of bias in the media. And I was just looking at like some articles on Quora or on Reddit. Uh, they right now have a spectrum. So they have a spectrum all the way from far right uh, to far left. And they were able to plot most of the media houses and I'm not just talking about US, uh, it's about India and, and probably other countries as well. So they were able to plot almost all the media houses on this spectrum. And what really amazed me was this crowd and this congregation towards the two extremes. And I could really find very, very little news and media outlets at the center. Now, like these, these, these media houses were supposed, are supposed to be the doyens of truth. They're supposed to be those sources from where we get all the information, uh, all the knowledge about what's happening. And more importantly, they also give uh, their opinions about subjects. So what do you think of this bias? Like, where is this leading us uh, in terms of, because in, in the last episode, I spoke about, like, is the real news becoming a luxury? Uh, like, the fake news has become so much commoditized and so much commonplace. So are we going to, like, find hard time uh, to actually get the real news? So what do you think about this, this media bias uh, in almost all the media houses globally? Okay, let me put it this way, like I defined previously as well. Uh, news organizations, uh, you can uh, be it uh, New York Times or uh, Washington Post or maybe Frontline, India Today, Hindu. All these need a particular set of readers. And what has happened, like you said, because of this extremities, both, of, both kind of news have their own support group. There are very few people, maybe, uh, you know, you and I would fall in that spectrum, who would read both to understand the intersection where the actual story is. Most of uh, the, I mean, the vast majority would either prefer one to the other. And therefore, yes, of course, they have to pander to their audience. In fact, I would actually refer the, you to you know, one of the recent uh, resignations by a lady called Barry Weiss, who has uh, quit New York Times. And the very reason why she quit New York Times is because she believed that uh, there is no centrist approach anywhere to be seen in New York Times. She was the editor of New York Times. And she felt that there was no centrist approach. And the entire newspaper, the editor of the newspaper has actually become Twitter. So yes, I do feel that uh, the news channels, per se, the television, as well as the media, all, in fact, all kinds of media sources have started uh, pandering to their particular set of audience. Uh, now, you can, you know, there's an argument that you do get a lot of right-wing uh, news channels right now, which is because uh, there is a mood and the sentiment in the people that is favoring the right-wing, and therefore you are getting a lot of people who are giving right-wing news. I mean, if it doesn't sell, you would not sell it. If it's selling, therefore you are uh, selling it. That is how I would, uh, you know, uh, take it. And as far as uh, 
take the user's concern you know i would uh, leave it to you i mean <laughs> I, i i seriously don't believe that uh, you know take views as such if you have both sides of the story if you read both sides of the story I mean, maybe you can find out you will be able to actually figure out what the actual context is what the actual story is so that that is how we define it now yeah i think sort of uh, you make a very good point but you know i think uh, to be very honest uh, what really troubles me is that the liability of finding what is a real news now rests with us so like we are the ones who have to read both sides to make sense of like what is the intersection and like where exactly uh, like should our beliefs be and what is right versus what is wrong so i believe that like this could have been like purely from a customer experience point of view like why would i need to read uh, like two newspapers to to have a bit of an idea on what's happening on the ground like why can't i just read one uh, but i guess like you also said that like the bias uh, in the media is quite predominant and it's also very obvious uh, to a certain extent uh, so i guess that is what really troubles me is that we have made the access to the real information the real news or the true news so difficult and so cumbersome uh, for the for the average person uh, now let me spend some time on point number 3 that you mentioned uh, is the fake news of the most dangerous kind uh, so how do you think that these kind of fake news is like what do you think in terms of life cycle like like how do they originate and what are the kinds of medium uh, do they take to propagate and then disseminate into the wider audience uh, would be good to hear from you on the, on that third part no okay uh, before we get to the third part i would actually you know uh, like to remind you that you when you said that you should be able to get more in proper news you represent a very very minuscule percentage of the entire population and your trp does not even count that you put it that way uh, in the entire intelligence spectrum like i told you you i i would say that you are in the far right of the intelligence spectrum i i consider you to be a real intelligence chap so yes uh, you are not the audience that uh, a z news or an nyt is catering to so let me you know be very clear about it uh, so therefore if you expect the news uh, the kind of news or the truth per se uh, you will not be uh, getting it because you are a very small minuscule of the entire population that the uh, media houses need to cater to coming to the third point uh, yes there is a very small way okay i'll give you an example of uh, uh, you know point number 3 i would believe i would say uh, rather that uh, an example here would be the caa nrc for uh, point number 3 see if uh, the government of india wanted to grant citizenship to let's say a 30000 or 40000 people they did not have to bring a leg- legislation in the parliament for that okay a simple executive order in that particular state or a group of states would have been enough because this particular uh, law did not have any future ramifications as well it was only predated as in till 2015 it was allowed oh, sorry 2014 till 31st december 2014 everybody so who who had come in would be allowed to become a citizen therefore it did not have any future ramifications therefore it did not need to become a law per se it would have been easier to get it done via a executive order bringing this into law bringing you know debating this in parliament actually puts in Uh, this this is what i call the fake news of the third kind 
because this helps you. This is a small nudge, a cajole, you know, uh, this CA and RC, which actually in turn snowballs into something much bigger. What happened during Delhi elections? That is what I call the fake news of the third kind. So there's a small nudge. Using that, there are other stories that are used to snowball it into a huge, I would say, conundrum that happened in Delhi. Interesting, interesting. I think before I go forward, it's always good to hear accolades about your intelligence on your own podcast. So thanks a lot about that. Uh, I think it's, it's it's a fair point that you mentioned uh, about the uh, the CEA and the NRC and how that acted as, as a cajole or a nudge uh, towards a whole spiral of uh, disturbance and unrest in the country. Uh, now, when I all think about this, uh, what I tend to believe is that there's a difference between sharing facts and sharing opinions. Uh, now, my personal belief is that facts are fairly black and white. So, like, you may falsify facts, but it is still black and white at the end of the day. Now, my challenge has always been, been with opinions and how people use the same fact to share different opinions on a subject based on their own biases or motivations. Uh, and I thought that uh, the opinions are what uh, are essentially gray and they contain a larger scope of misinformation, disinformation, fake news, etc. Uh, but now the lines are very blurred. Like facts and opinions alike seem like potential fake news cycles. Like how do you see this, this separation of facts uh, and opinions? Do you believe that like stating facts alone uh, would save us from like fake news cycles and it is the opinions which create troubles? Like how do you see this part? Okay, good point. Uh, facts and opinion. Okay, before I get to the act your actual question, uh, you know, there was a time when uh, if the editorial of a newspaper could actually tell you what is the leaning of that particular newspaper. But uh, now, there are a few news channels that have actually come up. Uh, I'll take the example of print over here, who allow editorials to be written by anybody from the far right, center, far left, or any spectrum in between. And therefore, you'll not be able to judge what their opinion per se is. Coming, back, uh, coming to your question on facts and the difference between facts and opinions, I read a book once by uh, Dr. B.R. Ambedkar. Really, really good book. I mean, you should uh, read it. It's a very thin book. But uh, so the book's name is Administration and Finance of East India Company, British Rule in India. This book has nothing but facts, clear and simple facts, no opinion at all. In fact, it is more like a scholarly article. You know, it starts with uh, uh, Cornwallis, uh, the, you know, the Cornwallis, the Zamandari Act, and it ends in the uh, SALT Act. So it is a very detailed way in which Mr. Ambedkar has categorized each and every different kinds of taxes, uh, the way uh, everything is arranged, the kind of voting system, all these things, completely factual. But the way in which, I mean, once you are done reading the book, you know, you will differ from your above standard. Facts and opinions are very different. Let it put it this way. You'll know that simple facts, when laid out in a certain fashion, have the power to opinionate and radicalize you. Let me put it this way. Okay, so I think this is interesting. I, I have definitely not read the book, but like now that like you are saying that like uh, even the simple facts when laid out uh, in a certain way will uh, like 
create a, a a sense of an opinion so like how do you see this like you also mentioned like print uh, and and then you say that like it's kind of very utterly confusing because like when we started the episode we said that uh, how the media houses are polarized uh, so you have uh, new york times uh, on one hand uh, and then maybe fox news on the other hand and somewhere between the two you know that there is truth but then if one editorial house itself uh, does this kind of a dilly dally between like two extremes then it makes our job very very difficult so that's one question that i have for you and the second one is that like how do you believe like what kind of importance should we be putting on opinions uh, like when people put up put out their opinions that yeah this is good this is bad because i also feel that uh, like journalism media is also majorly about sharing opinions because if you just share facts it becomes very drab it becomes very dry but then people need to know so what just like like we uh, create presentations so we just do not show the numbers we just should not uh, we just do not show the graphs going up and down we also have to explain like so what of this like what's the insight here so i look at opinions coming out from uh, media houses and and newspapers so on and so forth uh, to be very much like that insight section or the so what section uh, of a particular fact so how do you see this this kind of uh, like opinion and facts uh, and also if you can just kind of elaborate a little bit about like the whole conundrum that we are right uh, right now in where you have certain media houses which are polarized and certain media houses who are not polarized and and how should we make sense of the opinions and the editorials which come uh, from these so called non polarized or dilly dallying kind of media houses i i guess i i give a wrong impression of the print so so it's not dilly dallying uh, the thing is that the opinions or the, the editorial that comes out in print is uh, Uh, different people write the opinion generally the editor writes the opinion but for print anybody can write the editorial i mean if you have a good piece you can also write an editorial for that so that is one good thing that i write about uh, i like about them uh, as far as uh, you know the again the opinions and facts let's uh, put it this way that uh, we should reserve the opinion part of it only to the editorials i mean my personal belief rest of it the entire other part of the newspaper should be facts simple facts as in that this happened for example you know i don't know uh, we used to have this let's say when we were kids let's say uh, what uh, when we were uh, a a uh, 9 10 12 15 when uh, doordarshan was the only news channel that uh, was there the, the news was half an hour or maybe maximum one hour and that was just facts the problem what happened is i i mean i'm completely digressing over here but the problem what happened was that when you had 24 hours to fill up you had a lot of work to be done to fill up the 24 hours the in the beginning yes you had a very good uh, television news channels you had uh, you know z news and uh, star news all these people did a lot of work they had multiple uh, journalists working round the clock and everything but uh, then i don't know all of a sudden there was this uh, tv news debate that started happening because of which the tv news channel found out that uh, they did not have to put in that much effort to get eyeballs on their uh, television channel i mean uh, you just put in a one liner you call different people everybody will have different opinion and then you can have a cock fight for uh, one hour without doing any kind of research at all i mean the so people also that come on those uh, those uh, tv debate shows 
hardly any of them would have any kind of a strong opinion on any topic or would have any knowledge per se let's say opinion everybody would have of course but any facts i don't think so they would have any facts to back them up also so i mean it is an easy way out for uh, the media channels or the news channels per se to host a debate and just throw in a sentence let people have uh, a cockfight and uh, there are uh, of course i would not say that is bad entertainment there are a lot of people who are actually watching that cockfight and it is selling and therefore the media houses are selling that so yes i i would say that there are a very few media houses now that actually do research do put out uh, good news good articles but uh, most of what we see at least the television i would say is uh, completely uh, down the drain that is one another thing that i would actually like to point out uh, the cost of newspaper in india or i mean we have we are used to the, such low costs of newspaper in india that uh, the cost of the newspaper is just high enough so that it does not go from print directly into the garbage if you reduce the cost of newspaper a bit more it will directly go from print directly to the recycle bin it won't even reach your house but uh, where i live nairobi kenya uh, the cost of newspaper is quite high i mean i pay 150 shillings for the uh, newspaper so 150 shillings is around 100 100 rupees that is per day of newspaper so maybe that is also one thing that uh, we need to think about for that matter even print i have subscribed to that uh, newsal i mean i'm not uh, endorsing print because i i'm repeating quite a lot uh, i'm not endorsing that at all but i mean i that, that is one newsal i feel that has both sides of the story and maybe uh, gives you a better uh, perspective so just to summarize uh, facts i would prefer facts to opinions and as far as opinions are concerned i would like to know the kind of person the per- the writer is so that when i read his article i know the kind of opinion that he would be uh, sharing got it got it sort of uh, thanks a lot for sharing that uh, i must say that like after this episode uh, before releasing this i i should reach out to print Uh, because we spoke a lot about them so i think that like uh, i should definitely talk to them in terms of sponsorship but yeah i think uh, jokes apart uh, you kind of kind of raised a very very good point uh, especially when you reflected back to the time of doordarshan and the kind of like uh, media spectrum that we have today and and this goes like uh, slightly contrary to the to the to the general economic belief uh, that like moving away from a monopoly is always good for the customer so obviously i think uh, doordarshan in its days was was a pure monopoly you didn't have any other news outlet or a media outlet uh, to be able to reach out to the population in india but now you have like so many so in a way i think uh, i would say that when it was a monopoly i think it was way better for us it was way sane for us to figure out what's right what's wrong or at least kind of uh, be fed with uh, a kind of one or unidimensional bias kind of a news but i i do kind of find this really funny that like uh, as as we have moved away from uh, monopoly in this uh, sector the kind of the kind of problems that we have ended up in so so that's really interesting uh, so well sort of i think uh, we have spent uh, quite a bit of time discussing about this interesting topic uh, i will not say that like we have covered it completely uh, but i would definitely like you to come back uh, for the next episode so that we can discuss a little bit about uh, like what should we do at an individual level like like 
uh, absolutely hearing from you and also even during my research, uh, I found that this is a big problem uh, and this is impacting daily lives. Uh, this is impacting politics, society, you call it. This is impacting almost every dimension of our lives. But it's important that like in these times, we uh, should come out with a strategy at an individual level and also maybe talk about uh, action plans at a community level and what kind of expectations we can have from media houses, what kind of expectations we can have for, from technology companies. Because one aspect that we did not touch uh, in this episode uh, is around social media. So I think uh, maybe in the next episode, we are going to discuss a lot of, about social media and the role that social media plays in polarizing news and how it drives uh, engagement, uh, traffic, and and sometimes I think fake news sells way better than what, re- uh, what true news uh, does in social media. So yeah, I think, Saurav, uh, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, I know that like you, you are a very busy man, but uh, really, uh, thanks a lot for taking time out and, and sharing some sound bites with me. I will definitely look forward uh, to hosting you in the next episode. Thanks, Nilabri. Thanks, Nilabri. Thanks a lot. And uh, yes, in the next episode, do remind me. We need to discuss uh, Plato's Republic because that has a lot of juice on uh, what, how democracy works, how, what is a good democracy, what is a good republic, what are the different forms of government, and why democracy or what do you say, the democratization is not always the best way, and how monopolies can actually be better than democracies in certain cases. Awesome. It seems that I already have a lot of juice uh, for the next episode. Uh, Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. This brings us to the end of this episode at Random Musings with Niladri. I hope you found this interaction with Saurav both fun and enriching. I hope to see Saurav very soon in another episode at my podcast. Since this is the first time that I am doing an interview on the podcast, I am sure that there are lots of areas of improvement. Feel free to share your feedback through the comment section or you can also use the voice message link given in the description. I have started researching for my next topic. If you have something in mind or if you want me to kind of go in details on any subject, please shout out. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode. Until next time. Take care. See you. Bye.